0: all right welcome in here we are here we go once again this is uh i guess what i should say is welcome to for the win we are coming to you from the blue wire studios here inside the beautiful win hotel resort and casino here in las vegas nevada whether you are listening to me or this on spotify or apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to find your podcast i appreciate you being a part of my day Uh, welcome to my world i'm not entirely sure you want to be in my world but uh, and we'll get to that uh, in a second. But um, t- t- today we have a lot to talk about, a lot going on in the world of soccer. Uh, I always want to hit you with the topics right from the start, which would would clearly be uh, MLS expansion news, which has uh, certainly uh, been right in our backyard if for those of you who were paying attention uh, with a final the other night here at Allegiant Stadium with Seattle and uh, Lyon. Essentially, we got to see the who's who of the soccer world walking around that stadium, trying to figure out what it all meant. Don Garber, commissioner of of Major League Soccer, making some comments about where they stand with uh, MLS expansion. So I, I'll get to that today. Also, want to talk about this World Cup every two years. That's the new idea. I loved what uh, uh, Carlo Ancelotti said. He said, "Well, while you're at it, why don't we just do it every year? Why not? You know." Typical Ancelotti. Love that guy. Who's doing really well, uh, by the way. Great start uh, at, at Real Madrid. But uh, expansion, expansion. Everybody is talking about the, uh, the expanding the game. And uh, we, we certainly have some games that I really want to talk about. I have said several times on this program that I believe that Chelsea is the team to beat in the world today. Uh, and they proved me right in their last uh, couple of games. Certainly their game against uh, Tottenham was, was, was special. And three guys that you don't expect to score, but at the end of the day, they walk off the field, winning another game, three, nothing. But expansion, 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 and then we'll get to the, those EPL games. But the first thing I got to hit you with uh, is just, uh, just the realities of my life. I mentioned, if you want to be in my world, um, here you go. You might remember uh, 12 days ago, I lost my mom uh, to COVID. Really complications of a compromised immune system, but uh, that was as, as hard as that was to deal with uh, for our family. I lost my brother on Sunday, uh, f- mainly from COVID. There's there's no other underlying uh, reason. You know, we've we've gone so long uh, saying out loud that the people who are passing away from this wretched disease is uh, people that are compromised or people that have underlying illnesses. Uh, that didn't. That's not what my brother represented. Uh, he uh, was 53 years old, and he's survived by his daughters, who just had their 16th. Well, Grace had her 16th birthday on Wednesday. I stayed behind. I stayed in California all week, and my voice is a little raspy uh, because of everything that we are going through. I am mourning. I am grieving. There's there's no way around that. Um, that's just uh, the reality of my life right now. Uh, in in situations like this, uh, where I've gone through adversity, nothing like this. But I I always choose to work, and working is 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 therapy for me. Being able to talk about this it, it helps me a great deal. Uh, I know that some of you have a lot of people have reached out, and I really do appreciate the condolences. Um, there really is nothing to say, guys. It's it, it, there's, there's no words that, that anybody that, that they can console uh, me or um, there's just no feeling better. It, it, there's just a matter of, of, of dealing with it. I certainly don't have closure and I have my bad days and my bad minutes uh, and I have my good days. Uh, my, my niece, uh, Grace, the other night, we, we tried to surround her with love and let her know that her family is still here to support her and they can lean, she can lean on us and, and, we'll, and we'll be there for her. But what a hard thing to go through, to lose their, your father at the age of 16. And not to discount uh, what her sister's going through at the age of 14. But it brings me to this topic that I, I, I would feel like I'm, I'm cheating everybody out of what I'm really going through if I don't discuss this. And it is the topic of vaccinations. My brother was, was, was not vaccinated. Neither was my mother, my mother's reasons for not getting vaccinated were different than my brother's. My brother believed that he could beat this thing, and he also believed that uh, he didn't need the vaccination now whether we you know we, as a family uh we've we we're certainly going through um, you know hindsight being twenty 2020 i'm I'm sure he maybe well i'm hundred I'm percent he would have changed his mind. This is a guy that went on some of the social media um platforms saying that he was going to beat this thing, hashtag science, hashtag national immunities. And the last thing that he shared, I believe, on his Instagram was the statement in, in caps, I have completely underestimated this virus. Now, his reasons be, you know, behind choosing not to get vaccinated, those are his, that's a choice. Now, I am certainly not going to politicize this. I don't want to go there. I don't want to i'm not a doctor i'm not a scientist i am in no position to offer any advice and i'm not doing that what i'm simply doing and and if i'm saying in a non-influential way is explaining what just happened to my family and hoping and praying that whoever's listening to this that you don't have to endure the pain that we've just endured because my brother's death was unnecessary, preventable, and we are all grieving that. I just wish he would've got the shot. That's, that's, that's my two cents. And one of the, the, one of the things he said to me uh, prior to his death was, well, what about quality of life? And I said, guess what? There's no quality if there's no life. And at 53 years old, um with all the, the the realities of what this vaccination represents that there's there's some uncertainty there but if it's it's certain that that well 99 percent certain that it, it can't kill you anymore it made sense to me to get vaccinated and I did I just simply wish my brother would have felt the same way so we are we are mourning the death of uh, my mother and my brother uh, this wretched disease has attacked my family. I'm, I'm somebody that's been back and forth to Europe on numerous occasions during the pandemic. If I looked at my phone right now and I, and I poked in the word COVID, it would immediately go to COVID California, which I would look up how many people are infected, how many people have been hospitalized, and then I would always click on how many deaths have there been. And I, I, I admit, months ago, when the pandemic was having a lull, let's say. And I would see that there was only 11 people that passed away in the entire state of California. I would go there. I would say, well, these are people that are compromised. They're older. Uh, they have underlying um, problems such as diabetes or heart problems. And and that's who's dying from this um, this disease. But once, once it mutated and it turned into the variant, it, uh, it, it presented a whole new problem. Because my brother didn't represent somebody that was really compromised. And I just wish, I wish that he was able to see the value in getting jabbed in the arm twice in the span of 20 days to prevent him no longer being with us. And that's hard. There's there's, there's no going back now. I got to be there in case you're wondering. Uh, We sent messages back and forth to each other. I was in a car, and I had to get to him as fast as I could. Um, For those of you who are aware of this scenario, when when you're intubated, uh, the odds uh, are are not good. He informed me that he was going to be intubated, and I needed to get there as fast as I could. I missed it by about 30 seconds. The hard part about that is, in, and some of you might have similar scenarios in your family, is, is you know, don't always get along. Families are complicated. My brother and I had plenty of differences. Uh, we got to reconcile, and that's important. And I promised him that I would do everything in my power to stay connected to and a support system for his daughters. He is divorced. Um, we've We've I've spoken on numerous occasions to his ex-wife uh, who is also grieving his death. And it's, uh, it's hard. It's hard. And the only message here in all of this, in a non-political way, please take this information as for what it's worth. That my family and my brother made ultimately a poor decision because he's no longer with us. Whether, whatever your decision is, out there just choose wisely and think of the people around you that love you In making that decision that's it that's it so let's uh, let's let's turn our attention to soccer because that is my job one of the things about uh, when you're going through something as horrible as this because let's let's face it this is fucking horrible what I'm going through and I'm, I'm not trying to minimize it in any way shape or form it's horrible but uh, this is my job, and when, when you're dealing with something like this, I like to immerse myself in, into, the, into the work of things. And this game, uh, in, in this sport uh, of football, soccer, uh, has been my world. It's been my life, and it has always been how I work things out. Whether I'm talking about it, playing it, covering it, uh, it, is, it, it is a passion that will never go away. And I love talking about it. When you have your own podcast, you're allowed to love talking. It's not because I love the sound of my own voice. It really isn't. Uh, but I do, I, I do really enjoy uh, the back and forth with uh, especially the public when it comes to uh, even Twitter. You know, God bless you out there. You, you, you have your, your, your way about you, but it's still interaction. And human interaction is, is whether it's even a positive or negative, is still human interaction. Where we learn, we keep our minds open, and we all have one thing that, that I hope is, is the commonality of all of us, is that we love this game. All right, so let's, let, let's talk about this MLS expansion scenario. Just to give everybody the update, this really started to get, to ramp up, if you will, once Sacramento, as the, I, I guess you could could somewhat say that because uh, the, the pandemic hit, the, the ownership group up there in, in Sacramento, seemingly, it, not that they weren't disinterested, it's just that it was a rough time to be asking people for money, and they hadn't uh, gotten all the way there yet. Todd Donovan, who is a, a man that I've mentioned several times on this, this, uh, this podcast, who I have a, a very high opinion of, is a smart guy, went to Stanford, was a five-time champion, I think it's a five-time champion, I'll To will look that up later. Either way, he's he knows what it, what it means to win in this league, whether that be with San Jose and or Los Angeles Galaxy. But he's the he's the acting GM up there in Sacramento, and he's he has a high opinion of. of it. He had been uh, prior to that uh, in a, in a position with Oakland, where he kind of learned the ropes, and moved over to Sacramento and was a part of this bid. And I and I, th- I think that the, there was a lot of positive vibes coming out of Sacramento. As a coach with, with uh, the Las Vegas Lights, we got to go up there. I got to see that. Great, uh, great infrastructure, good people. Uh, great fans, great fans. And I, I think that they, 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 and it's a great city. I, I, just, I have friends up there. that, that uh, Sacramento is a very underestimated place. Uh, and I like going up there. Great golf courses, by the way. But if, if the truth be known, Sacramento kind of took a step backwards. In that moment, being the opportunistic striker, uh, Las Vegas became a part of the conversation. Now, it has never been anybody's assumption that if and when, or when if, those are the two big words that when you talk about stuff like this, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when with Vegas. Now, Vegas is different. They don't have to uh, do a capital call here. They don't have to go, well, so who wants to do this? It's, it, let's, let's, let's put a group together, LAFC. They don't, that's not the way that it works over here in Las Vegas. somebody can burp that over here. It might be Foley, who who runs the uh, Las Vegas uh, Golden Knights in the hockey uh, realm. There's been plenty of speculation about his inclusion in this. There's been plenty of speculation about him wanting to play hockey games in Allegiant Stadium and forming some sort of alliance with the Raiders. But once the Raiders got here, this town has just been booming. Uh, to, to quote um, uh, Don Garber, who was just here, uh, the market continues to explode from a population growth perspective. Population growth perspective. That's, that's the words that, that these guys start to use. And I had mentioned previously on, the pro, on this program that what they do over there is they test the market. And that's the next thing that came out of Don Garber's mouth. He, yeah. he alludes to the, to the uh, success of the Golden Knights and when it comes to big events, they said, we tested a couple events with the Gold Cup final. The, league, the league's cup final will be here. The Gold Cup final sold out in minutes. These are quotes. Las Vegas is an interesting market. We do want to secure the 30th team. And that's alluding to Sacramento kind of dropping the ball. Or at least stalling their, their, their efforts. So we can be a fully expanded league by the World Cup in 2026. And we will continue to focus on that market. Now, focus is the key word in that sentence, in that quote. Because the focus is clearly on Las Vegas right now. Now, for those of you who do know, there was some talk about this about a year and a half ago, possibly two years ago, when I was here. Brett Lashbrook, uh, the owner operator of the Las Vegas Lights at the time, had previously sold and seemingly done a deal with a Renaissance group who was going to come in here and, and completely revamp Cashman Stadium, which is located downtown. And look, Las Vegas is not the biggest of towns, but it, it, when you say downtown, there is certainly a difference between old Las Vegas and the Strip. And anybody that's ever been here knows that. And so there was this huge uh, effort to revamp downtown. And and you see it, you see it. When you make that turn, when you come on Eastern and then you make your way into Las Vegas Boulevard and you start driving towards the strip through old uh, downtown, past Cashman, whether you're on Maryland or Washington, doesn't matter. And you see that there's been a ton of effort already from the city's perspective to try and revamp that part of town. A Couple of those places have shut down. There's gonna be, uh, looks like more restaurants. The restaurants that were there, Denny's looks better, by the way. Denny's looked like this this rundown place that that nobody wanted to go. And now they've they've revamped that deal. They put some signage up right by the stratosphere. So you're driving in from downtown into the city, and it just has a different feel. So Vegas was already on the road to getting prepared for revamping downtown. But now the big question is, do you really need to build the stadium? Allegiant Stadium would suffice. Allegiant Stadium is amazing. And people who say, "Well, come on, we got to have our own stadium, we got to do what Cincinnati did, or, or Minnesota, how amazing is that? Well, listen, the teams that are winning this thing are teams like Atlanta and teams like Seattle, who are certainly not the home of Atlanta United. First, that's the Atlanta Falcons. As bad as they are, Arthur Blank is still mercedes is all about football as is seattle however and they both play on turf do do your research on this it's a funny one but if you go to the last seven mls cup finals you'll find that a team that plays on turf seven out of seven has made its way to the final whether you like it or not everybody likes to scream about how they like grass but guess what the model of success doesn't always mean that you got to be on grass. Toronto got in there, um, uh, but of course they were playing against Seattle, which, as we all know, plays on turf and really is the you know, Seattle Seahawk town. But the Seattle Sounders, it, through their success over the, the course of the last couple of years, I think Ziggy Schmidt started it, and Brian Schmetzer has done a great job of continuing that that tradition. But all those things being said, really, if you go back about 10 years and you would talk to Don Garber, he would say, you got to have a soccer-specific stadium. No, you don't. Not anymore. And he's realized that. And he's alluding to it in his comments, saying, that hey, as we get closer to 2026, we want to have a full complement of teams. I think they'll go to 32, to be honest. <laughs> but Vegas is not going to wait. It's not. Foley could burp that check, and we would have a team, and we would play at Allegiant, and that would be fine. Now, the other name that uh, has filtered into this conversation, which is also complicated things, but it's also very smart by Don Garber, because he's trying to get this deal done. He's trying to get it to the inline. He wants to know who the owner is going to be, and Wesley Eden is now chimed in. Now, Wesley Eden is, is the owner-operator of the M- Milwaukee Bucks, just one and is a part of, of Aston Villa. So if you are in his shoes, boy, he's had a he's had a good, under all these circumstances, he wins the whole damn thing with the Greek freak. And then he sells Jack Grealish for a hundred million. He's like, hey, I kind of like this soccer business. So he became a target. And some great comments coming from, from Dongar, very complimentary, likes the man personally, but also feels that he has an unbelievable track record as an owner-operator of a club. Franchise is the word I should use because that, that made all of you soccer purists out there twinge when I said club. And I know. I know who you are. But he has, he has also protected the Las Vegas villains. And that, that sent up a flare as well. That, that the possibility of or Wesley Eden's ideas he's already protecting and trademarking trademarking so does that mean that he's completely on board or entirely serious and and, and this is re- probably I'll, I'll go on the record right now today is what day is it today is the 24th I think six months from now it'll all be done completely done, but they, 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 they could, if they wanted to, and you can't say this about most markets, the Las Vegas market could play in Major League Soccer next year, if they wanted to, meaning March. They would be ready. The infrastructure is certainly here. And, and what they're realizing in these tests, from a population growth perspective, I mean, let's face it, when the Raiders play, how many, Allegiant Airlines is the one that loves it more than anybody. And I, unfortunately, under my circumstances, got to see that traffic exiting Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago. There's a lot of people who come over from from California, clearly, to be a part of Raider Nation. And I just think, I just think that it, it's L.A.F.C. If you really think about what they did just now, they said, "Well, we got to try and win some of these people over early." <laughs> uh, even that's the U.S.L., uh, you know, being the worst team in the league doesn't help. But that connection and the, the, those those are ideas, and that connection is really not something that, that you should read too much into. You, you really shouldn't. That was just really uh, Brett Lashbrook, the owner and operator of, of the Las Vegas Lights, who's really become a custodian at this point. He is a landlord. But he doesn't pay for those players. He doesn't pay for those coaches. He doesn't pay for the travel. He doesn't pay for what they eat or anything. All of that uh, is coming from LAFC because they're treating it like a developmental component of, of what their total operation is and looks like. And to be fair, what all they're really doing is waiting until they have facilities for their secondary teams. And just like everybody else, uh, if you look at all of, of this new uh, wave of, of Major League Soccer, what, what is happening is, is that and if you if follow this story about MLS Next and or academies and the secondary league that is now going to be in existence uh, in the very near future, They're trying to create the pathway for the player, meaning you're going to have a a club team, right, which turns into an academy, which turns into a secondary league, which is a feeder system or reserve league for the real deal. The problem I would have with that setup is that what's after that? What's the next step? Because you can't look at Major League Soccer as the end-all, be-all uh, end of the story. That's not uh, that's not the way that should work. There should be the opportunity to, for those players to, through their good performances, to, for for the clubs to cash in on the exit of that player. Now, the only way that you can do that, let me be very clear, in, in a right in the right way, and that's why the U.S. Soccer Federation and Major League Soccer has had. I would say the inability to really come through on this is this thing called solidarity payment and or training compensation. If you don't know what that is, let me explain. If the player is actually paying for, and that's, we are in a pay-to-play world when it comes to club soccer in this country. If you are paying for training and games to that organization, the organization has already been compensated so this is not a legal battle until it is. But when, they, when that player is eventually moved, Christian Pulisic was a good example of that, never really a, a directly associated with an MLS team and or a USL team. If you would have gone to a USL team, which actually was the initial idea, that USL team would have made a lot of money. But he jumped it and went to Dortmund. Uh, not to skip ahead, but if you are in a scenario that has been created by the club in an academy system, and that's why that word is so hot right now, those players are paid for by the club. So they are entitled to a training compensation in the event that the player's pass moves upward in any way, shape, or form. To the, they, they don't have to pay for the player. That's why they want to develop the player if, they, if the player's end goal is MLS. But they now have the ability to cash in. A little bit more on the training, uh, training compensation piece which actually has a massive effect on their Academy systems that allows them to balance those budgets. And they're not so much of a drain to the overall business plan. I hope I did a good job of explaining that. The reason why I did that to go back to Las Vegas is all of those pieces are turnkey here, all of them, including facilities. They'll want to build something, you know, very similar to what the Raiders did uh, out in Henderson. And I've heard these funny stories about Davis want, wanting to have a home that when he wakes up in the morning, he looks out his window and actually sees the training facility. But what we're realizing, it's not just a population growth perspective. That's, that's not what's going on. There is a talent perspective in, the t- in, in Las Vegas that needs to be tapped into. The majority of these players who are any good are poached from Real Salt Lake, Seattle, San Jose, LA because of some of the rules and regulations that exist when it comes to territorial stuff. So like if you if you if you're from Glendale that's a fun one. Cuz LAFC and the Galaxy get to fight over you. But when there's a player who's any good in Las Vegas, free for all. And they got to try and tap into that talent. So what they do is they 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 get on the on the airplanes and they come and watch the tournaments and they know everybody. I actually, I'm not going to tell the, what club it was. I got two emails from a major league soccer organization which knew all about my son, who's 12. At the time, he was 11. And invited him on a trip. Well, of course, I had to pay for it, but it cost me like $4,300 to go on this trip. However, they knew who he was. That impressed me. That was impressive. Impressive. But now they have these, these mechanisms that they're creating through MLS Next, through the, the, this player path, that it's going to make it very interesting to see how all these players make their way through the system. At the same time, you have the USL, who's doing something also very impressive, because they already have a USL championship, League One, League Two. They are, through Jake Edwards and Alec Papadakis, they are trying to figure out a a, a means of creating promotion and relegation, which is something you'll never see in in Major League Soccer. So soccer in, in this country as a whole is growing up in a hurry, and it is very, very cool. So I guess I was trying to make some sort of prediction there. Major League Soccer will be in Las Vegas before 2023. We'll know about it in the next six well, uh, 8 to 12 weeks. That's my prediction. It is 11 o'clock on the dot on Friday, the 24th of September. I, I am I'm, I'm not even going out on a limb on that. That will be the case. Now, the, I'm not going to have enough time to talk about it today because I want to get into some of these fixtures. I'm, I'm, I'm getting up tomorrow morning at 4.30 Pacific time because I want to see Chelsea in Manchester City. I, 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 that is a game that has its history. I'll go through it in a second. Uh, but uh, but I, I'm getting up early, and there's a couple more games I want to talk about. However, the, this this World Cup every two years, I, I want to know how you guys feel about this. I mean, I know what's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's not too dissimilar from this Super League idea. It, it's 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 not going to work. Okay, the Olympics, Olympic Committee, and all their money. It's it's. There's there's too much, too much on that plate. That plate, and and for the just to expect the euros to go away. You know, UEFA is going to have an opinion about this as well. All the teams are going to have. But the money. This isn't again, again what we saw with the Super League and that idea of taking the best teams in the world. People lost their jobs at Woodworth and those guys. They they lost their jobs over a bad decision. And Arsene Wenger, God bless him, is in the forefront of this, they had their big meetings uh, in Switzerland a week and a half ago. All of this was laid out in detailed. And when you, when, you, when you go through something like that, and I actually got to see pieces of that, that power presentation, man, that's impressive. I mean, when, when, you really can, when you really look at what they can tap into, and now you don't have major brands waiting every four years, it's like, wait a second, I can do this every two years? The money involved will push the narrative. And they know that. They know that. And they put a pretty smart guy in Arsene Wenger at the front of that thing saying, well, this is how it works on the technical side. And God love the man. I, I pushed very, very hard as a, as a candidate for the president of U.S. soccer that our biggest problem and our greatest challenge will always be our schedule. And to hear Arsene Wenger expand on that was really cool. Really cool. I got to be in my pro a licensing that we, he was a guest speaker on a couple of occasions. What an interesting man! What a, what a wonderful guy! Look what's happened to Arsenal. Arson. well, Arsenal without arson. It's a rough watch. But our schedule, and, I, and I'll get into this on another occasion. Our schedule will define whether the United States of America will ever be. really, truly competitive when we're talking about the players who represent this country coming out of Major League Soccer. Very briefly, I'll give you this. I only got a second here to get into this, but think of it this way. And I live this. If your season starts in March and if you're on a bad team and your season ended in October, which unfortunately that was my career, I played for all the crap teams and I played for the national team. So I never really got a break. But let's say you are coming into the start of your season in March, okay? And you play for, it doesn't matter who you play for. You know your schedule, and you know when they're going to announce the World Cup team. And there's a couple of chances in there for you to jump in in March, April, May, that that maybe you might impress the coach and be a part of it, maybe. But it's the guys in Europe who don't have the option, okay? They don't have the option to take their foot off the pedal because of promotion and relegation, because of the the trophies that they're playing for, because of the structure of the league, and it ends in May. They have to bring it. Our guys are playing not to get hurt. And when we watch the World Cup and we see MLS guys out there, and we see Josie Altidore pull his hamstring, you know, 20 minutes into the first game. Because he just spent the last couple of months trying not to get hurt. And then we asked them to go from sleep to sprint when it really matters. Not having that choice when you play in Europe equates to being able to bring it when you get to the World Cup stage. You're prepared. You get a couple of weeks off. But it's just enough time for you to just recharge the battery and be ready. You're not tired. You're not tired. MLS guys... On most occasions, and do your homework on this. If you watch as that first twenty-three list comes out, it's always the MLS guys that get hurt and don't get to go on the trip. Whereas Vanny or, or Corey Gibbs, or you know, in, in the past, it's always been you know, maybe even Chris Armas. because they're trying to they're trying to push it now. Because they've been coasting for so long, and that's that. That when, when you get in a World Cup scenario, you you don't have that choice. That's Romania over there. They're not messing around. you got to be ready. Being in Europe, and that's, that's why I'm really high on this team, I don't like the fact that we're playing in, in, the, in the winter, but our guys are going to come into that full stride because the majority of our team is playing in Europe. There's a couple of exceptions, you know, Sebastian, Lejet and uh, those guys are they are, are going to have the greatest challenge. But I think I think as we look forward in, into going to, if we, whether we do every two years or not, we got to figure out our calendar. we got to figure out our calendar if we're going to be competitive in a World Cup. they got to figure out the, the advantages of it. They're so busy trying to figure out how many teams we can have when, when what we need is to focus on, all we need is 11 guys who can do this at a really high level. And then we need to have six guys, uh, you know, in the, in the stable that, that can replace them. I think we're finally there, but I got to make sure that these guys are fit, healthy, ready to go. All right, look, here's, here's the game I really want to get to. Um, Chelsea and Manchester City. The history behind this is interesting. Um, you are still dealing with Pulisic being out, and Mendy is hurt, so Kepa will probably play in the goal. They have the respective uh, hip and, and ankle injuries there. Um, it looks to me as I mean, if you, I'm going to go through this a little bit because uh, this is, this is a, a scenario where Chelsea has come out of the gates. Uh, they only have been scored on once in league play, and it was a penalty kick on, on a red card. Uh, but every other game, nobody has been able to figure out how to score against them. And, and if you look at the history of the best start in Chelsea's uh, it, it, ever, um, it, it, they ran into Man City, and Man City was the one that, that knocked them off 1 0. This is years ago but Pep Guardiola has not had a good time <laughs> with Chelsea. That is, uh, that has been the oddity here. So Manchester City is in danger of falling, failing to score in back-to-back league matches for the first time ever under Pep Guardiola. And he's running into Tuchel, who has figured this out. And I've mentioned this before, I went on the record, I said, if you're gonna make a bet, and, and that bet, and I, I, even before the Tottenham game, people said I was crazy. I so said they're going to win the game 2-3 nothing the end of winning 3 nothing we didn't expect you know Rudiger and, and Conte to score but Chelsea's the team to beat right now and this is this is a terrible time um to run into them i was looking at the win bet odds uh which were were plus 170 for a draw uh plus 225 man city uh that's going to be an interesting one on the other um side of things you know you you you've got um You've got Muchen Gladbach taking on Dortmund. Now I don't know how many of you really watched the uh, the Bundesliga. I feel like once Prolesek left, uh, we really we really stopped watching as much as we did because it was such a big story. But we still have uh, Gio Reyna. We're waiting for him to uh, uh, get back to full fitness, which is which is still uh, uh, up in the air. But the the Holland story is ridiculous. He's now forty seven goals in forty eight games, which means he's going to score twice to even it out. And they're going to win two two to one. Um, the way that the, the, the win bet odds go on that one is it's it's a negative one thirty for, for Dortmund, um, plus three twenty for the draw. I mean I don't know if that's happening, but that that seems to be the uh, the, the better of the uh, the bets. Now we I already mentioned Arsenal uh, previously, and, and what's happening in Arsenal is really quite sad. And I have my opinions about this. I mean I I my, Arsenal to me is Tony Adams, it's Ray Parler. It's over Mars, it's Thierry Henry, right? That's just, that's a different look. I mean that you know and you know of course Ian Wright, right, right. That that was that was the team that I I, I mean Patrick Vieira. Oh, we'd wait all year just for him to get in the tunnel with Roy Keane. That was better better theater than anything else. And then the game would start and it wasn't even as good as that, but they were still great. Arsenal just fails to be great. And they've got Tottenham on Sunday coming off of a, a, a bit of a spanking. They had a new coach trying to figure stuff out. Tottenham isn't, doesn't look the same. And neither does Arsenal. So it's almost like this, this game that, God, I, I remember the, the, the good old days when, it, when this, was, this was the North London derby. This, is what you, this, this was going to be great. And we had a moment there with Clint Dempsey was a, was a part of Tottenham. And I, I thought that that made it interesting for the American folks. But what a game this might be. Now, Arsenal is uh, plus 125, which means we're expected to lose. Uh, and that's, that's, um, that's an interesting one. Manchester United. Now, what do you make of this? Manchester United is uh, playing against Aston Villa, which is, a, which is a terrific game in its own right because Aston Villa was, was the biggest challenge, even though they lost the game in, in the end. They're one of the only teams to outshoot outside Liverpool. But that was a red card. Outshoot um chelsea chelsea would sit in that 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 you know fall into a back five and then spring out of there but if you really watch the game aston velo was terrific they lost but that don't don't take anything away from from uh, what they're capable of because this could be a fantastic game uh, we expect ronaldo to be back he took the break uh they they and of course they don't score when ronaldo's not on the field i guess you could say they played a secondary team um you still have the, the Marcus Rashford just waiting in the wings, hopefully, uh, eventually going to be ready. Because that will take a lot of pressure off Ronaldo. A lot of pressure. You know, just give me your best 60 minutes. Get your business done in the first half, and then you know, I'll go have a cup of tea. I don't know if he drinks tea. With those teeth, probably not. I don't know if uh, Veneers stain... I made that joke before. That, that guy's mouth is more expensive than my car. But that's, that, that's the, the other game that I, I think most of us will be, will, will be queuing into. You can find that also uh, on Saturday at 4.30 in the morning. So I'm getting up tomorrow morning. It's what I love, and, and I, I am in love with the way Chelsea plays. As I've said on numerous occasions, I will never pledge any allegiance to uh, one team. But uh, certainly, if you are on the betting frame of mind... You want to really, uh, this, Chelsea is the Manchester, uh, Manchester City is the game to watch. I'm not too sure it's the game to bet on. And and this is my only critique I would have of Pep Guardiola. And I've followed him for years with Fox. We've, we, you know, all the big games, when it becomes a tactical battle, he has a way of playing. Everybody's on the, the say, but you're, you're, you're going to have, have to have great performances. But I'll go back to that, you know, that, that 4-0 loss to, to. Uh, uh, Bayern with Bars. I mean was it when he was with Bayern in Barcelona the 4-0 loss at home with Bayern to Real Madrid getting the tactics wrong I just don't think it was a good idea to go man versus man with Suarez Neymar and Messi but he did Well how many times have you watched that video with uh, Messi just putting uh putting hanging into the ground either way you might want to watch the Chelsea Manchester City game, but I'm not going on the record of what you should bet. Uh, the real bet is probably Manchester uh, Manchester United. That this thing will this thing will there'll be a few goals in that one, and Ronaldo's rested and ready. So, either way, bright and early tomorrow, bright and early tomorrow. If you want to watch uh, Holland score twice, uh, or do you want to make a bet on it? Uh, feel free, because that is the next uh, superstar in in world football. Uh, Unbelievable, unbelievable to, to be on the, on the you know, only one game. If you look there, there's only a couple guys that have been doing that, and that's Messi and Ronaldo. There's been guys that have had great stints, whether it be Benzema or maybe Iwaine at one point was, was, was flying. Neymar could never keep pace with this, neither could Suarez. A lot of, I mean, even, even Fernando Torres when he was, when he was on fire was, still wasn't in the category of what you have to go with with Holland right now. He is the most electric goal scorer that we've seen that plays outright the number nine in a good double decade. It's unreal. So if, you, if you're in the mood and, and you want to click over or just figure out that previous thing, I got previous on my, on my uh, remote control. That's, that's, that's how my morning goes. But I'll be watching Chelsea. And I, I, I think that uh, Pep Guardiola is going to screw this one up again. <laughs> You just can't deal with Roma e Lukaku. <laughs> oh boy! Anyway, uh, this is how this thing works. Uh, I I I don't have a clock, but I have an internal clock, and the internal clock is is uh, beeping, which means my my time is 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 up, and your patience with me uh, is uh, is <laughs> right at the end. So, uh, this was September twenty fourth. Uh, this is a Friday, uh, moving into uh, the Saturday games. I hope you enjoy the games uh and if you're following the story of the las vegas uh, pathway to major league soccer just keep an eye on that that's 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 going to be continuing to uh, uh to gain momentum and, and again my, my my other goal in life is now to to not say things on this program that puts me in, in a position where i've pissed so many people off that they won't uh, involve me in the process because i really want to be a part of it i'm not going to lie either way You're going into the weekend. Uh, Be good human beings out there. Uh, Protect each other, love each other. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll hear you next time.